Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be, and welcome to the Super Travel Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Mark, and thank you for joining me today. It's a wonderful day, another beautiful day to be alive. And today's show is lucky number 13, or unlucky 13, but I think it's really uh, lucky 13, for me at least. Uh, I, I don't really believe in luck so much. I think uh, it's it's really what you make of it. And uh, yeah, so this is my lucky number 13. I'm sorry it's been almost two weeks since I uh, recorded an episode. I've been really busy. That last episode with my mom, the Bond bombshell, was was really good. Um, I, I, yeah, at least... Uh, at least I think so, <laughs> and my mom thinks so too. I mean, it, for, it was really interesting. Uh, what I mean is, it was really good in in, in the in uh, the that it had a lot of interesting topics and interesting things and experiences and everything from the boat. Uh, the boat almost sinking that she was on to her being uh, breaking the 50 meter swim record to her being a professional bowler for a year meeting my dad at a, at a strip club as a topless dancer in uh, right, right around 1970 so that was really cool and uh, very interesting so I'm definitely gonna do another episode with her in the future and uh, she really had a good time too she was really a, a little bit tired but uh, it worked out it still worked out really well we did almost an hour which is the longest episode uh longest episode i've done and um i enjoy interviewing people more than i enjoy doing these monologues and talking by myself it's just it's just easier when you're talking to people it's it's even it's less than half the work i'd say it's almost half the work but i think it's less than half the work because you just have to like get people to talk and just have them talk that that's that's really uh I really like that and uh so today I'm going over the lucky number or unlucky number 13 uh the significance of it I'm going to go over uh one country actually one city in a country going over Bangkok today is Bangkok or what they how they call it in in Thailand they say Bangkok Bangkok so there's no cock, no cock in the bang, uh, Bangkok, <laughs> no cock in the Bangkok. Okay, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then after that, maybe if we have time, we talk about that uh, psychological uh, personality uh, triad I was learning about called the dark triad, which is really interesting about narcissism, narcissism, Machiavellianism, and psychopathy. I thought that was pretty interesting too, if we have time. So I'm just going to go over the number 13, a little bit of uh, Bangkok for everyone, and uh, let's get right started. So I was looking into this whole 13 concept, and a lot of religions and ancient culture societies have have either it's a lucky number or an unlucky number and I think it's rooted into the lunar cycles because 13 is noted in various cultures due to lunar solar calendars 12.41 is a lunation per solar year hence 12 true months plus a smaller often portentous 13th month and so that's what I think is the root of all these lucky unlucky numbers and so uh, all the different religions have uh, many different religions, if not all. I, I don't know all of them, but um, for example, 
In Islam, 13 signifies the 13th day of the month of Rajab, the lunar cycle, which is the birth of Imam Ali. 13 also is a total of one prophet and 12 imams in the Islamic school of thought. And in uh, Sikhism, that's significant. In Judaism, uh, 13 signifies the age at which a boy matures and becomes and has a bar mitzvah. I, I printed this out from, I think it was Wikipedia, and it says, when a boy matures and becomes a bar mitzvah, I don't think a, a person becomes a bar mitzvah. He has a bar mitzvah. So, and, and I could be wrong, though. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm not a... I'm not an expert in in uh, in this, but anyways, it's important in Judaism as well. And thirteen, the uh, thirteen classics considered to be a part of the Chinese classics. Uh, where else? There's tons. There's actually so much. There's like pages and pages and pages of stuff. Thirteen. Oh, all thirteen in Christianity. Uh, they talk about the 13 disciples and how Judah, who betrayed Jesus, was the 13th disciple. So that's one of the significance of it being an unlucky number. I remember that uh, in sociology class in North Carolina at Cape Fear Community College. I remember that. Um, and from what I printed out, this says 13 is considered an unlucky number in some countries. But it's also lucky in other countries as well. Uh, the end of the Mayan calendar's 13th Bakhtun was superstitiously feared as a harbinger of the apocalypse back in 2012, which never happened. I mean, there's there's predictions of end of the world like every year. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't really believe any of that stuff. And I'm like, I'll believe it when it happens. You know, I believe it when I see it. Uh, the fear of the number 13 is specifically recognized uh, phobia called Triskaidekaphobia. Try saying that five times fast. And it was coined in 1911. That was right around World War One, actually. And companies back then and manufacturers used another way of numbering or labeling to avoid the number. Uh, hotels and tall buildings were conspicuous uh, being conspicuous examples, like for the 13th floor, they try to avoid it. Also, Friday the 13th is considered an unlucky day. Actually, Friday the 13th is coming up. I think it's, it might be coming up this Friday. I, I, I think so. So that's another, uh, yeah, that's cool. We had this 13 uh, on the podcast here. So uh, yeah, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe that's why I waited almost two weeks to have this. I should have had it exactly on Friday the 13th, but maybe, maybe I, it's better I don't. Um, then this goes into talk about the Last Supper, Jesus Christ's Last Supper, 13 people, like I said earlier, with Judah being, who portrayed Jesus was the 13th to sit at the table. The Knights Templar on Friday the 13th, October 1307. Uh, most of the knights were tortured and killed. Uh, this says full moons, a year with 13 full moons instead of 12 post problems for the monks in charge of the calendars. It was considered very unfortunate circumstance by the monks who were in charge of that calendar. Uh, tip, a typical century has about 37 years and has 13 full moons. A repressed lunar cult in ancient cult cultures, the number 13 represented femininity because it corresponded to the number of lunar menstrual cycles in a year. The theory is that as a solar 
calendar triumphed over the lunar, the number 13 became an anathema. Uh, that's, a, that's not an easy word. And Hammurabi's code. There is a myth that the earliest reference to 13 being luck, unlucky or evil is in the Babylonian code of Hammurabi. Uh, circa 1380 BC. So we're talking almost 4,000 years ago. That's that's a long time. Where the 13th law is said to be omitted. In fact, the original code of Hammurabi has no enumeration. Oh, so that's interesting. Huh. And then it talks a little, a little bit more about Hammurabi. Uh, lucky 13. So, so it's unlucky, but it's also lucky too. In Italy... 13 is considered a lucky number. The expression fare tradici, to do 13, means hit the jackpot. There we go. That's good. 17 is considered an unlucky number instead. Uh, Colgate University considers 13 a lucky number. They were founded in 1819 by 13 men with $13, 13 prayers, and 13 articles. To this day, the members of the Colgate community consider the number 13 a good omen. In fact, the campus address is, get this, 13 Oak Drive, Hamilton, New York. And the male, a capella group, is called the Colgate, Colgate 13. In the Mayan Tzolkin calendar, uh, Tresenus marks cycle, cycles of 13-day periods. The pyramids are also set up in nine steps divided into seven days and six nights. 13 days total. Oh, this is interesting. Something that a lot of people do is they play a 52-card deck of cards. There's four suits. How many cards in each suit? 13. 13 times 4 is 52. This isn't so good, but I guess it's uh, metaphoric. It could be metaphoric. In a tarot card deck, 13 is the card of death, usually picturing the pale horse with this rider's. But, I mean, death in that sense could also mean the death of... Uh, let's say bad it could be bad habit so you have a bad habit that that habit's gonna die so i mean it's metaphoric it doesn't mean like you're gonna die you know, i mean oh we're all gonna die but like right away you know it it's just just metaphoric and you know i think what we focus on and and this there's a lot of truth to this too from what i read what we focus on uh, we bring more into our lives. So if you focus on death, you're going to see more death and bring that more into your life. But if you focus on, you know, good stuff, uh, positive stuff, you're going to bring that more into your life. And a baker's dozen, also called a devil's dozen, ha <laughs> ha, long dozen or long measure is 13, which is one more than a standard dozen. Oh, the history of the United States. This was uh, fairly interesting for, with the number 13. It was created, we were created from 13 British colonies. And as such, the number 13 is a commonly recurring motif in American heraldry. For example, there, for example, there are 13 stars on the Great Seal of the United States. And there are 13 stripes on the American flag. The first flag of the United States... Uh, had 13 stripes, alternating red and white, and there were 13 stars in the Blue Union. Uh, the 13 stripes represent, represented the 13 colonies from which the United States was created. So that's, that's pretty interesting. The Great Seal of the United States bears many of the images uh, with the number 13, uh, representing you know the 13 colonies, like I just said. 
And oh, Apollo 13 was a NASA moon mission famous for being a successful failure in 1970. So that's kind of, I guess, a little unlucky there or a lot unlucky. Yeah. And gosh, you could just go on and on about the number 13. It'd be a whole podcast. I'll just uh, briefly go over a few more, uh, which is fairly interesting. Norse In Norse mythology, uh, it, there's 12 gods sit down at a banquet only to have the 13th uninvited god Loki show up. Oh, if anybody watch, uh, anybody watch uh, Thor and Avengers, that's the god Loki's in there. So that's, that's pretty interesting. Roman mythology, you have Ro- Romulus and the 12 shepherds, which is 13 total when you add Romulus plus 12. Uh, back to Norse mythology, 13 is a symbol of the goddess Freya, and her day is Friday. I'm not sure that's good or not so good uh in in french french mythology we have roland who's the leader of the 12 peers roland plus 12 is 13 danish mythology we have the story of king herolfer crocky and the 12 berserkers uh so 1 plus 12 is 13 berserker have you heard about uh berserkers so apparently the vikings they uh they would send in berserkers what what I read was uh, they would eat a mushroom called Avenida muscaria, and then that would make them go like crazy or berserk, and they would just go and just like, you know, do their Viking stuff of destroying and causing, you know, mayhem and that sort of stuff. So that's that's uh, pretty interesting that they uh, took mushrooms to kind of make, to make them go crazy in, in, in that sort of way. All right, back to 13. In Greek mythology, there is the tale of Odysseus and his 12 companions. It's so fascinating. 13 is so prevalent, prevalent across like the world. It's just so amazing. And I, I think it's rooted back to that lunar cycle. That, and, and, you know, yeah, so that's, that's really cool. Uh, where are we at? Okay, in ancient mythology, 13 represents the great mother goddess. The sacred court of the Druids had 13 segments. I got to learn more about the Druids. I did, uh, I went to Stonehenge, when was that? Back in December, and that was pretty cool. It, well, sort of cool. It was cool being there after hearing about it, but when you get there, it's just a bunch of pile of rocks. <laughs> it really is. I'm not going to lie. It's a big pile of rocks in the middle of nowhere. You're like, huh, okay, this is interesting, but... All right, this is it. <laughs> so that's that's pretty cool. I gotta want to learn a little bit more about the druids too. It seems kind of interesting. In Egypt, in Egyptian mythology, there are thirteen steps on the ladder that lead to eternity. That's more of a positive aspect of it. Uh, back to Egyptian mythology, there's also the story of Osiris, who is murdered by Set and cut up into thirteen parts. That's not so good. In Egyptian mythology, back to Osiris, who was killed by his brother, Typhon. And then, um, yeah, says, uh, it gets kind of complicated. Isis uh, continued her quest and found all but one body part, which was his penis. Okay, great. 14 minus 1 is 13. Yeah, I don't know how they found that, but... All right. <laughs> oh, this is a good one. In ancient Egypt, the meaning of the number 13 was immortality. So that's cool. That's really cool. And then uh, I don't want to do too much more. So I'll just uh, really 
skip over this and uh, see if I find anything else interesting. Uh, ancient China, that's, that's something different. The meaning of the number 13 was completion and perfection. So that's good. That's, uh, that's a good positive aspect to it. Um, let's see. The 13th degree in Freemasonry is called the Royal Arch. Yeah, no, not a big deal. 13 is the correct number for Freemasons. They're said to be 13 Illumi Illuminati families. I don't know if you're into conspiracy theories, but the names of those families are the Astor family, Bundy, Collins, DuPont, Freeman, Kennedy, Lee, L-I, Onassis, Reynolds, Rockefeller, Rothschilds, Russell, and Van Dunn. Yeah, that's kind of cool. We should do a podcast. I like, I'm, I like conspiracy theories. I don't really believe them for the most part, but I just find them interesting. Almost like science fiction in, in, in a way. Uh, the 13th hexagon of the I Ching uh, is Taung Jen Fellowship with Men. <sighs> All right. 13th is an emblem for sacred and secret knowledge. An old English superstition says that if 13 people meet in a room, one of them will die within a year. All right. That's not so good. And almost done. I think there's a few more that I found uh, old uh, there's some negative ones there are 13 doctrines of the bards I don't know what a bard is but oh let's see it's truth light equality peace man animals good love evil rewards and punishments penitent sacrifice providence and eternity so those are the 13 doctrines of the bards Huh, a witch's coven traditionally numbers 13. That's interesting. I bet you it still goes back to that lunar that uh, that lunar aspect of it. And in Celtic mythology, Yisbadaden gave 39 three times 13 tasks to Kolich to perform in exchange for the hand of his daughter, Owen. Slavic mythology, 13... 13 is significant. And in ancient Greece, oh, here we go, Greece. Zeus was counted as the 13th god. He was the most powerful of all the gods of Greece. All right, I like that one. That's a good one. Zeus, number 13. So that's that's a good one to finish on, actually. That's enough 13. You guys, you guys got 13 yet? <laughs> all right, I know I am. All right, and let's get to Bangkok. It's time for Bangkok. You guys ready? time for Bangkok. So I looked up Bangkok and Bangkok is exactly uh, 8,294 miles from Southern California. Uh, you definitely don't want to walk there or take a boat. You want to fly. It's a long flight. You're going to, I use Skyscanner. So you'll look, uh, if, if you look at from LAX to Bangkok, you'll find connecting flights in, in a couple of different places from Beijing. China to Hong Kong to maybe see no not Singapore I just found those two there's probably a couple more but Hong Kong's a good hub as long as there's no protesting going on I mean uh, not too long ago they had to close the airports but that's really doesn't happen very often so Bangkok Bangkok's pretty interesting just the name of it Bangkok people say Bangkok but I looked at the real way you pronounce it how that the Thai say it, and it's a Bangkok, Bangkok, not Bangkok. So it's Bangkok. And a little bit of history. So uh, 
Bangkok or Bangkok is the capital most most populous city of Thailand. It is known in in Thai as Krung Dep Mahanakon or simply Krung Dep. Pardon the pronunciation. I do not know Thai, but I'm doing the uh, best, the closest I can. And the city occupies 1,568 square meters, which is 605 square meters. It's along the Chao Praia River Delta in, a central, in central Thailand. I've noticed this with a lot of capital cities around the world. Most of them, many of them, are near significant uh, water sources. So water is hugely important for uh, a society to exist, especially back in the ancient times. I mean... We could go uh, a month without food and live, but we can't go longer than about three days or so, maybe four, without water before we die. So that's hugely uh, important water when, uh, when societies uh, were built back in the ancient times. So <clears throat> uh, a population of over 8 million, which is 12.6% of the country's population, over 14 million, about 22.2% live within... Uh, the surrounding Bangkok metropolitan region as of the 2010 census. So it's a little bit different, but pretty close. Um, a little different, but pretty close to that. <laughs> I just contradict myself. So it's it's close. Let's just say it's close right now in 2019. So uh, Bangkok is the nation's primate city, significantly dwarfing Thailand's other urban centers in terms of importance. Bangkok traces its roots to a small trading post during the Ayutthaya Kingdom in the 15th century, which eventually grew and became the site of two capital cities, Thonburi in 1768 and Ratana Koshin in 1782. Bangkok was at the heart of the modernization of Siam, Siam, S-I-A-M, later renamed Thailand. During the late 19th century, as the country faced pressures from the West, the city was the center of Thailand's political struggles. During the 20th century, as the country abolished absolute monarchy, adopted constitutional rule, and underwent numerous coups and several uprisings, the city grew rapidly during the 1960s through the 1980s and now exerts a significant impact on Thailand's politics, economy, education, media, and modern society. So, I don't know if this is true, but uh, not long ago, I think it was uh, Dan Carlin, he was talking about, he does his history podcasts and uh, it was a couple other podcasts. He was talking about there's only either two or three countries in the world that uh, Western society influenced rather late and they still retain a lot of their, their old ways. And one of them was Thailand and one of them was Japan. So I found that really interesting. So that's one of the last few places on earth that you could go visit and catch a glimpse of their of their old ways and the 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 way the people are and act it's just it's uh it's good it's it's cool and uh yeah so i went from what did i go from nepal to thailand which was a three right around it two or three hour flight i think maybe two and a half and then i got to bangkok you go to get your visa and pay i don't even remember i think you pay but uh that it was it was pretty easy it's a small line there's tons of different lines bangkok is a big it's a big hub very popular uh, tourist area and so what's interesting is bangkok uh, when you get there, has there's a lot of names called Bang. Oh gosh, I 
I think I forgot to write it down, but I think bong means along the river, something like that. So bong, there's tons of different bongs or we call bangs uh, named in near uh, Bangkok. Uh, there's bang pakong, bang yai, bang buathong, bang kruai, bang len, bang phai, bang pahan, bang ban, bang sai, bang fly, Bang Pakong. There's a lot of bang in, or a lot of bang uh, names in in Thailand. So especially around bang, Bangkok or Bangkok. So I found that pretty interesting. I uh, I like the the names of uh, finding like the roots and the names of the meanings and you know all that sort of stuff. But and uh, I checked out the top things to do. I I only did a few of these. I have maybe a handful of, of these places. So there's there's like a top 10 places, like I said in the last ones. You just Google like top things, top 10 things to see in the country or uh, not the or the city you want to visit, and you'll get a list. And uh, what I do is I just visit the ones that really excite me or I'm interested in and that sort of stuff. So uh, if you check out the top things to do in Bangkok, Bangkok, you'll see number one is the Grand Palace. The Grand Palace, and that is really cool. This says the Grand Palace and Wat Prakayu. So Wat, W-A-T, means temple. There's a lot of Wats in uh, in Bangkok and probably Thailand too, if, I, if you look. So the Grand Palace and Wat Prakayu command respect from all who have walked in their sacred grounds. It was built in 1782 and for 150 years, the home of Thai kings in the royal court. The Grand Palace continues to have vis visitors in awe with this beautiful architecture and intricate detail. Wat Prakku enshrines Phraku Morakot, which is the Emerald Buddha, the sacred Buddha image meticulously carved from a single block of emeralds. So that was really cool. I went there. That was actually the first stop I went to. So you have to wear long pants if you're a guy and I think a female too. Uh, you can't wear a short tank top. You have to wear uh, at least a short sleeve. So you have uh, f f just, that's just the rules there. But if, if you don't have it, you could buy it there at the entrance. And so, so that's, it's not a big deal there. It's, it's not too expensive. I don't remember the exact price, but, but the Grand Palace is really cool. The architecture of of the Thai of Thailand, the, it's just it's so unique. I've never seen anything like it. It's the the shape of the buildings. It's different than anything like I've ever seen. It's it's really cool. So I really enjoyed the Grand Palace. It was definitely grand. I I got there and I was like, all right, what is this Grand Palace? Just another palace, whatever you know. But then when I get there, I was really really impressed. It's definitely uh, definitely worth it. And there's a reason why it's number one on the list to see. It's uh, really cool. Took a lot of pictures there. Had a lot of fun. Was uh, taking pictures in the like like. Uh, like the statue would be at a certain pose, so I would try to do that pose and take a picture with the statue. I, was, I thought that was cool. And then uh, the number two is Wat Arun, which is Wat means temple, and Arun is Don. So Wat Arun is the temple of Don. Interestingly enough, Arun comes from the Hindu god Aruna which is also called Surya, S-U-R-Y-A, or Aruna. And fascinatingly enough, 
when I checked out uh, Buddhism and Hinduism, so it says Gautama Buddha, the founder of Buddhism, was a Hindu. It was, he was Hindu. So uh, in Hinduism, one of the avatars of Vishnu is Buddha. So that's, that's pretty interesting. There's a, big, there's a big relationship between Hinduism and Buddhism. I'm pretty sure Hinduism came first, and then Buddhism came after. So it's it's really interesting that whole you know religion relationship. So Wat Arun, the Temple of the Dawn, is really really cool and impressive place. Uh, it has towering spires and uh, is one of the most recognized in Southeast Asia. Constructed during the first half of the 19th century in the ancient Khmer style, the stupa showcasing ornate, ornate floral pattern decked out in glazed porcelain is stunning up close apart from its beauty. Wat Arun symbolizes the birth of the Ratana Koshin period and the founding of the new capital after Ayutthaya fell. So that was a really cool place. I went there as well. And to get there, you have to take a ferry uh, across a river. I, the ferry is like 100 yards. It's, it's probably like a quarter. It was really funny. So, yeah, it's pretty quick. I mean, there's a small line. And, and I took a picture with, the, with the, the captain of the boat. He had like uh, a, a shirt was un, unbuttoned. He had no shoes. He was just sitting there, his belly hanging out. And I, he smelled of alcohol. I'm not, I'm not going to confirm or deny, but he may have been possibly drunk. It was, it was pretty, uh, pretty wild, uh, pretty, or pretty cool to, 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 you know, go across the little ferry and they should just build a big bridge. I don't know why I'm, I'm looking, I'm like, they should build a big bridge and just make things easier. And then, uh, you take that ferry across, you go walk a short distance, then you get to that Wat Arun, the temple of the dawn is supposed to be really beautiful. I want to say, uh, at dawn as the sun rises and also at night, but I didn't go during those times. It's hard because I was only in Thailand a couple days. So I didn't get to, I didn't get, get, get to see everything, you know, I just got, you know, the highlights. So yeah, so that was Wat Arun. And then number three in my list is the floating market. I didn't go to the floating market. I wasn't, you know, didn't really care too much about a floating market. I don't want to be sound, you know, uh, sound negative, but it just, I just didn't go. It didn't sound too interesting. But this says, uh, the pioneer of all floating markets, Dam Noen Sadua, continues to offer an authentic experience despite its increasingly touristy atmosphere. Imagine dozens of wooden rowboats floating by, each laden to the brim with farm fresh fruits, vegetables, or flowers. Food vendors fill their vessels with cauldrons and charcoal grills ready to whip up a bowl of boat noodle. <laughs> What's boat noodle? <laughs> or seafood skewers on upon request so that's the floating market that's number three uh, but i didn't go uh, number four is chinatown also called yawar warat and i didn't go to chinatown either i went to china so i you know I, I see chinatowns in just every big city that i've been so it wasn't super interesting to me either and that is a colorful exotic and pleasingly chaotic area packed with market stalls and probably the highest concentration of gold shops in the city um, during major festivals like Chinese New Year and the Vegetarian Festival, the dyn dynam dynamism and spirit of celebration spreads across town like wildflower. If you happen to be around, don't miss an opportunity to witness Bangkok Chinatown. So there you go, Bangkok Chinatown at its best. And then what do we have? Number five, Wat Pho. What's Wat mean again? 
temple. So this is temple faux. <laughs> I wonder if they have faux. This is the temple of noodles. That's right. Temple of faux noodles. No, not really. But um, that's a pretty cool place. I was there and it says there's more to Wat Pho than, oh, it has the gigantic reclining Buddha and traditional Thai massage. I didn't see the Thai massage there, but I did get Thai massages, uh, Thai massages in Bangkok and they're so cheap. They're like $8 and something cents when you convert it with their, with their currency. It's for an hour. That's really cheap and they're really good massages. So that was, that was pretty fun. Uh, you go in, uh, you, you tell the, you pay up front, up front, you pick what you want from a list, you go upstairs, there's a bunch of small little mats, which were, and there's like, uh, I don't know, half dozen different uh, compartments, and they're separated by, by uh, like, like a sheet, uh, I don't know how you call it, but and then that that's it. You get your massage. She walks on you. It's they're pretty strong. These these little Thai ladies. They're they're really good. It's a good massage. I got to say that's one of one of my favorite parts. So Wat Pho has the reclining Buddha and the Thai massage, but I didn't technically see it. Uh, Wat Pho harbors a fascinating collection of murals, inscriptions, and sculptures that delve into various subjects, from warfare to astronomy to archaeology. The vast temple complex contains a landscape garden with. Stone sculptures, stupas adorned with glazed porcelain, a souvenir shop, and the College of Traditional Medicine. So, yeah, that was a pretty cool place. I, I liked, I liked, uh, I liked Watfo. That was, that was number nine on the list, and number, oh no, not number nine. What am I talking about? That was number five on the list. Yeah, <laughs> number nine. I'm miscounting. All right, number six is the Chow Praia River and Waterways. So, that's what you have to cross to get from the main area near the Grand Palace to Wat Arun. You have to cross that river. And it's one of the most scenic areas. The riverside reflects a constantly changing scene during day and night. Day and night. Water taxis and heavily laden rice barges chug upstream, set against a backdrop of glittering temples and luxury hotels. The areas from Wat Arun to Pra Samu Fortress are home to some of the oldest settlements, oldest settlements in Bangkok, particularly Bangkok Noi and its charming ambience of stilt houses flanking the complex waterways. Yeah, when I crossed uh, on, on that little ferry uh, to get over to Wat Arun, I did notice a bunch of tourist boats uh, taking people taking people around and, and uh, showing them different areas. So that would be, that would be something to do and uh, seems, seems pretty fun. Number seven on the list is actually, did I, yeah, I did number four. I'm not, number seven is, uh, there's a Chattachuck Weekend Market. I, there's that. There's also, that's number seven. Number eight's a Khao San Road. Number nine is Nana, uh, what is it? Number nine is Soy Cowboy. And number 10 is Jim Thompson's house. So number eight, I was at number seven. I have not been to the market. Number eight, the Khao San Road was pretty cool. And that's, uh, <clears throat> that's uh, where East greets West. That's the scene of the collision of the East and West. It's a place where uh, it says they jostle for superiority and poke one another in the eye. Um, while travel with travelers from every corner of the modern world, sleek clubs playing sophisticated sounds, elect, uh, eclectic market stalls, converted VW cocktail bars, and foods tamed to suit the Western palate. It may seem clear who won the fight. Uh, that was a cool street. With I think this is was the street it was talking about. 
was there's like tons of people, tons of food places, tons of markets. There was like people dancing, there's clubs. It was really loud. I remember this because I was tired walking at, uh, at night, checking it out just as the sun went down, so not too late. And I was kind of got a headache walking through there. I'm not really big on nightlife and loud music and that sort of stuff. So that was, uh, that was that. But it was pretty cool to see, though. I got to admit, like, the shows and stuff. And if I was feeling a little better, not so tired, I think I would have enjoyed it a little more. But that's definitely a cool place. Number nine. Number nine on the list I printed says Soy Cowboy. I have no idea why. It's uh, named after the cowboy hat wearing African-American who opened the first bar here in the 1970s. This adult-themed district has a more laid-back carnival-like feel to it than Pot Pong or Nana Plaza. Flashing neon lights uh, lights up. Flashing neon lights up a colorful streetscape comprised mainly of middle-aged expats, Japanese, and Western tourists. That sounds pretty interesting. I might walk through there uh, next time I go. I did walk through Nana Plaza, which was really interesting. It's the adult-themed nightlife area, and there's like, oh, there's... I don't know how to explain it, but I'll try to as best I can. There's like three stories, and there's bars, and each story, there's... uh, like three clubs around, around this area, uh, around that you walk to, walk around, and so like you walk in, there's a bar, and there's women dancing topless in one, and there's another one with the same, and another one may have, uh, <laughs> lady boy bar. <laughs> I saw lady boys. I'm not kidding you. I had to see lady boys, uh, and they do look uh, almost like women actually they do look almost as beautiful as women some of the lady boys and some of the lady boys look like you know boys you know they look more like men but some of them look a lot like women apparently uh, i did not confirm this uh but one of the my my uh my taxi driver said that 20% are cut 80% are not cut so that's uh that's I don't know a little f f y i for the lady boys, um, lady boy uh, facts going on. Uh, I did not you know check this at all. I did not do any package checks. I was uh, actually very uncomfortable walking through here because I was out of my uh, out of my comfort zone, and so uh, I did walk into one for about twenty minutes, and I had some tea. Uh, They're like, "What do you want to drink?" And I was like, "Tea. I don't drink alcohol, you know, you know, and." Uh, it's like, oh, okay, so I paid like, I don't know, five bucks or $10 for a thing of tea. And I just watched as girls, uh, they, they just kind of looked, uh, they were dancing topless. There was like tons of them and they just looked really bored. And so there was an audience and I don't know, I didn't, I didn't really see much. Apparently, if you really get into it, you could find weird shows and ping pong shows and that sort of stuff. But I didn't get that far and... Yeah, I was, I was I was I was uncomfortable enough just just seeing that and being around that. So, uh, yeah, okay, and uh, I'll stop, I'll stick to the touristy stuff and uh, and forego that stuff. But it was it's kind of interesting though. I take a selfie with the Nana Plaza sign. I mean, it's like it's a big touristy place. Oh, what, what another thing which was interesting was around that Nana Plaza area. There's a big Muslim, uh, big Muslim community and area. So there's tons of uh, Muslims. Uh, the taxi guy uh, told me that they come by from they come from like Qatar and Dubai and all those places, United Arab Emirates, to to come here and and it's a big nightlife party scene for them, and so because it's so cheap, 
uh, I guess I, the, around the world, it's, it's a world renowned for that. So uh, I did see a restaurant called the Taj Mahal, which was really cool because I was just uh, in India and uh, seen and just seen the Taj Mahal like a week before. So I thought that was really cool. And that was that. So that's uh, Soy Ca- number nine, Soy Cowboy Nana Plaza. Number 10 is Jim Thompson's house. Didn't see Jim Thompson's house. Didn't sound super interesting. But what this says is a little description. Jim Thompson's house is three decades of dedication to the revival of Thai silk. Then a dying art changed to the industry forever. After he mysteriously disappeared into the jungles of Malaysia, he left a legacy behind which is reflected through his vast collections of Thai art and antiques now on display at the Jim Thompson's, Jim Thompson's House and Museum. Itself a lovely complex of six Thai-style teakwood houses preserved to their original glory. Uh, you could see, I mean, I guess it interests some of you guys out there, but for me, I was like, yeah, I don't even know who Jim Thompson is. Probably famous, but I just, I've never heard of him. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have to look him up. Um, and that is pretty much concludes Banco. Uh, I guess nothing really... Oh, there was one day where uh, I couldn't find a place to run. So I run and ride the bike every day. A lot of times I get hotels, specifically if they have uh, bikes in their gym. So I get gyms, hotel gyms with bikes. So that's one of the main uh, things that I look for when I book hotels around because I have a cycling coach and a running coach. I I actually qualified to be a professional athlete. I'll accept in 2020. I don't want to brag, but I'm kind of proud of it because it was on my bucket list and it took me like 10 years. So I'm going to do that in uh, 2020. In, uh, yeah, the last couple years of my athletic life as I, uh, as I age and, and get up there towards 40. Uh, but, you know, there's some benefits and drawbacks about aging and I have to talk about it another day and interview people about it, especially, uh, you know, my mom who's 76 or, or, you know, other people. I wish I would have interviewed my grandpa. He's 101 when he passed away. I was thinking, like, all the stuff he's seen. Uh, he was born in, like, 1907. He was, geez, uh, World War One, World War Two, the Great Depression, Korean War, A Man on the Moon, uh, Assassination of JFK. He's seen everything, all these amazing, amazing things in the world. Now, he would have been the one or someone, even even right now, who's close to 100, who's still like, you know, there cognitively, who could, who could you know, talk about it really well. Would It would be really fun to, to interview and talk to about. But I, I don't even remember where what I was saying. I just started talking. What what was I saying? Um, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Oh, that includes Bangkok. Bangkok. Yep. Uh, Bangkok. Oh, yeah. I, I, I was I was uh, as I was saying, there was no places I could find to really run. So I actually ran on the side of a street around this area, which looks like a park on the map, but it's not really a park you could run in. I ran on the side of the street with cars, and I just I just ran there and. Uh, attempted to run on the treadmill at the gym, which which breaks even when I you know go uh, marathon pace, which isn't even which is reasonably fast. But yeah, that that was that. I, I wish uh, maybe maybe I'll stay in a different area because I was more towards downtown, more towards the central area. I don't remember the exact name of it, but I was more towards towards the central area. Actually, I was I was by that. Uh, Kalsan Road. That's where I was. Kalsan Road. 
so I wasn't far from there. And maybe next time I'll pick an area outside. There's also a lot of cool places. There's supposed to be some ancient ruins about uh, a little less than an hour drive from, from Banco. There's used to be, uh, from what I read, a tiger sanctuary where monks took, took, took care of tigers. But I think that's closed the last time I checked. And there's supposed to be a cool zoo around there. And there's, there's a few places. And Banco or Bangkok uh, is not Thailand. There's a lot of places to go in Thailand. And... I only saw like one really small area, which which was fun and cool and, and, and definitely worth it. But I would definitely want to go like to the beaches, supposed to be world-renowned beaches in Thailand and different areas uh, like that. And so after Thailand, so that concludes Bangkok or Bangkok, Thailand. And after that, the next uh, next one is going to be... Cambodia. I don't know about the next podcast, but maybe I think I think so. I think so. We'll do the next podcast. The next travel uh, destination is going to be Cambodia, Siem Reap, and the Angkor. Ang, uh, oh, is it Angkor Wat? Angkor Wat. Yeah, they call it Angkor Wat. I found it interesting because it's similar to Bang Bangkok Angkor Wat. So I found those two interesting. Angkor Wat is the name of a ruin in Siem Reap, Siem Reap, S-I-E-M-R-E-A-P. And that area, I want to say it's 12 kilometers, is called Ankor, A-N-G-K-O-R. That's Ankor is the whole area of the ruins. And Ankor Wat, Ankor is the area. Remember, Wat is temple. So temple Ankor is one of the ruins. I actually went to three ruins. I was at Angkor Wat, Bayon Temple, and Taprom. I went to those three. And that was the day I ran a 10K race. So that's cool. Stay tuned for the next podcast for that one. That will be lucky number 14. And that should be it, guys. Thanks for listening. Jeez, we're 45 minutes in. You know what? I'm going to talk about the dark triad next time. That's going to be number 14. So a brief synopsis a brief uh, synopsis of the dark triad. If you don't know uh, the dark triad, or if you never heard of it, it's a personality test. If you Google dark triad personality test, take this test. It'll tell you a lot about yourself and a lot about others, especially. Um, so it's really cool. So in the meantime, before I go into it really in depth uh, on the next podcast, take the test and see what your numbers are. And that test will measure narcissism, Machiavellianism, and psychopathy. So we'll talk about that next time. I found it really interesting. And it, they first started talking about it in 1998, and it was really coined in 2002. So I got my bachelor's degree in psychology back in 2005. I remember I was out of I, I served four years in Marines till in the Marines till 20, 2002 went to college for two years eight months got my bachelor's degree and then went to graduate school to get my master's degree after that in exercise physiology and nutrition so I got my bachelor's degree in psychology I don't remember them talking about the dark triad they, they may have like glanced over it but it didn't start picking up popularity until until I want to say probably the last 10 years or so, but it's, it's fairly popular now. And, and it's really interesting because it tells you a lot of, about yourself or a lot of, and a lot about other people. So it measures the three, uh, three 
uh, negative aspects of, of you know us narcissism machiavellianism and psychopathy i guess it's negative if if you have it in high amounts you know it's it's subclinical measurement and you know narcissism oh get this so you know uh, uh models on instagram and um uh, influencers, they call them. So, do you know that the majority of them, high percentage, maybe ninety percent on on some studies, are very narcissistic. It's a, like our society is going super narcissistic, and narcissism is grandiosity, grandiosity, which is an unrealistic sense of superiority, pride, which is high personal value, egotism, lack of empathy, inflated opinion of oneself, self-centered, vain attention attention hungry and a large sense of entitlement so that's that's really uh really fascinating i mean nowadays the entitlement is ridiculous everyone's got a sense of entitlement i i couldn't believe it oh so this past weekend i ran a 10k race right and i was it was it was really fun i I love to race i don't know i don't talk about this much because i don't know i kind of keep things you know a little little private but i love to compete and race and and uh, like i was saying earlier i I just qualified to be a, a professional athlete and so i uh i did a 10k race for fun the other day and it was uh it was pretty fun i i wasn't feeling great i was like half asleep but we start off, there was a, a pack of six, and I'm trying to stay with the lead pack, the lead group, you know. I'm going to try to place as high as I can and uh, not go for, like, a personal best. They call it, we call it a PR, personal record. And so, because I didn't feel great, and it was warm and, and not the fastest course, but I'm, I'm, I start off in a pack of six. Boom, the gun goes off. And uh, we go, we go, we go, and um, I'm trying to keep up with them. And it's a little windy through this river trail, and then... Then eventually two two back uh, fall off the pace about a mile in. So there's four of us. So I'm running with them and they're doing pretty good. We're going through a tunnel and uh, as soon as I, I'm like, oh man, I'm going to back off. Then it, I feel like, oh, I'm kind of like keeping touch with these four guys. I'm not in the pack. I'm like just behind them, like, like uh, you know, 10 feet. So I'm like, oh, they're, they're kind of hurting too. So I'm like, I'll try to keep up with them. And then uh, eventually it was me and uh, me and a kid, this 13-year-old kid. He's flying. I couldn't believe he's 13. At least that's what, what his age says. And then uh, it was me and him the last mile. And then uh, I, uh, I, I did my sit and kick, you know, or uh, I, I'm a pretty good sprinter. So for the most part, I could out-sprint most people, and I generally do in these races. So I wait till the end. And then uh, the last couple hundred meters or hundred meters I, I really kick it up and and sprint and I beat him by a few seconds but it was it was a a kind of a wacky goofy course and race because we all got like the the top four runners we got lost and the bike we were just following the bike the lead bike and the bike took us the wrong way and me and the kid we ended up doing like 3.55 miles at least the top uh, four of us top four of us ended up doing like three and a half miles which which was uh, like 5.8k instead of 5k, and but luckily they got our times as we crossed back across the start line. Uh, it was just weird. It's kind of wacky. I didn't really care too much, but it was. I was really uh, grateful that that I was I was not disqualified for, you know, taking the wrong way. It wasn't a a super. Uh, a super important race, like a championship race or something, or we wouldn't have, I, I think we wouldn't have, uh, uh, we would have been disqualified if, if that would happen. So 
Yeah, that was that was pretty interesting, and it was nice to win. I, I mean, it's always nice to win and be on top and get first place and stand on the podium and take pictures and and feel. Uh, that's the, I don't know if you could hear that, that's the trash coming uh, or the recycling outside, but uh, it's always nice, especially as I, as I age and get older, that, you know, to take things for granted, not to take, take things for granted and, and to be grateful for, uh, for getting first place. It uh, doesn't come often. It's like, I didn't feel great, but I actually got first place. Sometimes you feel great and you don't come in like top 10 place. It's just, just like focusing on the positive, you know is is really uh was really helpful and i when we talk about entitlement so that 13 year old kid was really mad that he didn't win and he was like oh i took it easy on you i was like what i was like you see these legs these are second legs man i could sprint i could sprint he's this really skinny he just was was really upset and negative and i just like gosh i wish i wish i knew now at his age uh I wish I knew at his age what I know now about, you know, focusing on different, on, on positive stuff, you know, appreciation over expectation and just how lucky we were. I was focusing on how lucky we were not to get disqualified and that they even uh, counted the times. So that was, that was uh, another great learning experience for me and for, for that young, young man, the young kid that, uh, that, that was there. And uh, yeah, he's... That was amazingly fast. I wish I was his fast at his age. So that was that was a fairly uh, interesting kind of weird weekend right at the races. I almost didn't go. I woke up. I was I was tired trying to wake up and I couldn't wake up. I was like, oh, all right, let's go. Putting water on my face before the start. But you know the fav- my my favorite part about that that race was seeing all my friends. I'm not gonna lie. The the my favorite part about that 10k race, especially my old friend Chanel. He just what did he have? He had a fracture. I think he just had a fracture in his hip or one of uh, something, something happened. He's just come off an injury. And so I haven't seen him in, in months and it was really good to see him. can't remember his exact injury and he won his age group too. So that was really cool. I got a, got a picture with him and uh, yeah, it was, it was fun to catch up with Chanel, old friend. He's, he's funny. I want to say he's from New York, maybe Brooklyn, but he's, he's a character. I love the guy. And uh, yeah, and there's a bunch of my other friends were there too. And we just had, it was, it was a fun time. It was, it was different, interesting. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, it was fun. All right. Uh, maybe I'll do, uh, do some race reca- recaps too. I mean, it does relate to travel. Like uh, I just did a race called the European Championship in Romania back in July 2nd. That was a crazy experience. A bike, uh, bike seat post broke during the race, which, which was crazy. It never happened to, you know, hasn't happened to me ever. Like, I don't know that I even got a flat tire in a race, but I could, you know, talk about traveling and and races and, and that sort of stuff. I love to travel and do races. Oh, uh, before I forget, uh, the Pyramids Marathon in Cairo, Egypt, or I, I think it's in Giza, uh, Egypt, where the pyramids are. That's uh, February 20th, 2020. So I'm looking at doing going back again. I did that in February, and it was a blast. You run around the pyramids, and you finish right by a pyramid. It's so cool. It's not the... It's a little boring, the course, but where you finish is really cool, and and it's just a cool race, just to say you've done it, and you get a cool souvenir, cool shirt, and it's one of my favorite races. Uh, one of the coolest places on earth are the pyramids of Egypt. So uh, if you want to do that, uh, let me know, and uh, 
you know, maybe we'll meet up and uh, go have fun there and, uh, you know, take some pictures and, yeah, so let me know if you want to do that. That'd be cool. I actually emailed them to, uh, or messaged them to see if there's any discount codes I could share with everyone, so that that would be fun. And uh, yeah, Egypt, I don't know if I talked about Egypt. Egypt's cool, though. When I was there, I was only, you only need actually one day to see the pyramids because it's such a small area. And the pyramids are empty. There's nothing in the pyramids. All uh, all the stuff that were was in the pyramids are in the museum. So that's... So I, I think like one or two days is good. I want to see, uh, I want to go to Luxor. Luxor would be cool in Alexandria. You could take a riverboat cruise, which was really cool that I did along the Nile River. Like I said, the rivers along these uh, capital cities around the world, there's famous rivers, you know, the Amazon River, the Nile River, you know. But that was really fun too, this uh, 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 show. There was like a few shows on the riverboat cruise. But I'll talk about that later. All right, I better finish up. All right, guys, thank you for listening. It's been another great podcast and wonderful for me. To, you know, I, I really enjoy sharing this with you. And uh, take care, guys. Got, oh, wonderful, uh, yeah, wonderful and amazing special announcements coming up within a couple weeks. We have a huge announcement. That's right. Coming up within a couple weeks. So stay tuned for that. And uh, all right. This is it. This is Mark signing off from the Super Travel Experience Podcast. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day, wonderful week, wonderful month, wonderful rest of your year, life, everything. Keep doing well, being great, living great, and living your best life. All right, guys, this is Mark. Take care, and we'll see you next time. 